And what's going on, everybody? This is the Dynasty Underground Show with your host, Derek Walmack. That's at Derek J. Walmack on Twitter. And today we are going to be ranking round two of this upcoming 2020 uh, rookie class. Uh, went over round one on the last episode. Some maybe controversial <laughs> picks. Uh, I don't know. Um, I said if you listen to it, if you have any questions, disagreements, hit me up on Twitter. Um, I'm always hanging around there. So um, let's just go ahead and jump on into it. Jump in on round two. Pick one. For me, it's Brandon Ayuk. Um, he's a first round wide receiver. The success rate of first round wide receivers is substantially higher than any other round. Um, I'm actually doing some pretty painstaking research on uh, draft capital and you know fantasy football success. Um, I will be getting into that shortly. It's information that I think is very interesting, so stick around. Um, <clears throat> keep an eye out for that. But back to Brandon Ayuk. I mean, yeah, he was a late breakout, but obviously he had a transfer from junior college, and then he went to a team, obviously, with Nikhil Harry, so he can kind of rationalize the late breakout away. We can rationalize the fact that he is not a non-early declare away. Um, like I said, I went over in the last episode with Denzel Mims why I generally fade non-early declares but uh we had a couple we had a couple non-early declares play pretty well last year um I mean it's not out of the realm of possibility that Brandon Ayuk turns out to be a good football player and at this point we're in the second round you know this is likely the second rookie you're taking off the board uh and let's just like let's talk about the player himself super dynamic um which what more would you want out of out of a player to be super dynamic and going to an offense that i mean there's not a huge gaping need but going to san francisco there's plenty of vacated targets with matt Breida and emmanuel sanders gone which i mean don't get me started on vacated targets. I mean, I mean, there's built-in opportunity with the vacated targets. Yes, they have George Kittle. Yes, they have uh, Debo Samuel. But I mean, there's enough. Sometimes there's enough opportunity for three guys to be fantasy relevant. I mean, you look at the Rams just two years ago. They had four. They had three wide receivers. They were all top 20 wide receivers and they had like the number one overall running back. Uh, it happens sometimes. Green Bay, they used to have two top 24 wide receivers and Eddie Lacy was a top 10 running back a few years once upon a time. <laughs> yeah, Eddie Lacy. Um, but yeah, so it, I mean, I wouldn't call San Francisco a smash spot for Ayuk. But 
like I said, there is an opportunity. There's a ton of vacated targets. There, there's Kyle Shanahan, one of the most creative play callers in the league. And we saw what he could do with Debo Samuel. Brandon Ayuk, a similar player. Um, they don't have, you know, a you know, a, a prototypical running back one. They've got a couple of nice players. But so I mean it's not it's not crazy to see or to project Ayuk to take some handoffs. He was super dynamic at Arizona State. Um like I said we're we're not like I said, we're in the second round here. We're shooting for upside, you know. I mean we're we're early, so a floor is nice, but I mean a hit on Brandon Ayuk, like I said, with the first round draft capital, with the dynamism, I mean I think he's got a pretty high floor. And with that, with the guy calling the plays, I think he's got a fairly high upside. I think he's got a fairly high ceiling as well. Uh, brings me to number two, Michael Pittman, another non-early declare. I'm not going to keep banging that drum. Uh, let's just talk about the player and the landing spot. Uh, talented player. I don't think, I mean, I don't really have anything bad. The only negative for Michael Pittman, is, for me, is the non-early declare. Uh, but like I said on the last episode, all of these guys we're getting into are going to have a red flag or two. Uh, but I mean, Michael Pittman goes to what projects to be a good offense. Um, they've got an unproven second-year player in Paris Campbell. They've got an aging stretch Z, stretch X wide receiver. I mean, I mean, I think T.Y. Hilton is 30 or 31. So, I mean, I mean, we're talking about dynasty here. So, even if it takes until year two for Michael Pittman to really break out onto the scene, I mean, uh, the 14th overall pick in a rookie draft is more than worth it if – a player like him can't, I mean, second, early second round draft capital. And so I mentioned earlier, <coughs> I mentioned earlier, the hit rate on round one wide receivers is substantially higher than any other round. The hit rate on round two wide receivers is pretty substantially higher than round three. And then round three is substantially higher than round four. And it, it pretty much just drops off. You, like we'll get into all that. I some stuff I think is pretty interesting. But uh, round two draft capital, his athleticism, his landing spot. I think it all points to a promising rookie season. Uh, maybe not super viable for fantasy. Maybe, I mean, maybe. But uh, year two breakout. I could absolutely see it happening for Michael Pittman. Uh, Let's just keep on trudging forward. We'll go with my number three pick in the second round. It's T. Higgins. Um, I think I want to like T. Higgins more than I actually do. Uh, But he's just one of those guys that, I mean, I'm getting to the point. I, I mentioned it, I think, in the first episode, maybe. I'm getting to the point where when I hear uh, people talk about these college prospects, as these college wide receivers, and they use the term great 
at contested catches, I'm starting to get to the point where I kind of use that as a negative. I mean, because to me, I mean, who are those guys? It's the T. Higgins, it's J.J. Arthur, white sides, it's those, you know, big kind of lumbering wide receivers, and they just don't translate. At least it seems like they have not been translating to NFL success, at least not for fantasy. And you look at some of the guys that have been dominating the wide receiver position in fantasy in recent years, they don't so much look like T. Higgins anymore. You know, they don't look like 6'3", you know, outside bullies. They look like the Odell Beckham Juniors and DJ Moores and, you know, they're polished, you know, savvy route runners that are great at separation. They're not great at bullying people and getting contested catches. They're great at separating from the person covering them. Uh, but I'm not going to ignore the production I saw Higgins uh, produce in college. I'm not going to ignore the draft capital. Like I said, round two wide receivers have a pretty good hit rate. Um, he goes to a situation where I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of opportunity for him in year one. He'll get on the field. He'll absolutely get on the field. But, uh, I mean, A.J. Green's going to be on the field for as long as he's healthy. Tyler Boyd has been just a really solid wide receiver the last couple of years. I don't see them pulling him off the field very often. And John Ross plays a pretty valuable role as far as stretching the field. But, um, but I mean, they don't have a tight end of consequence necessarily. So, I mean, I could see them running some four wide receiver sets. Um, like I said, they spent an early second round pick on T. Higgins. He'll get on the field a little bit. Um, I wouldn't expect much in round or in year one. But, I mean, he's, I'm not going to ignore the upside. He's for sure got some upside, but I think we need to, if you're thinking about taking him in the first round, I, mean, I think we need to use guys like the Kelvin Benjamins and the Devin Funchesses and the J.J. Ortega Whitesides as cautionary tales at least. Um, if you're at the end of the first round, and you want to take Higgins over Chenault or Mims, just trade down. Trade down, get a later round pick, get a future pick. And just, just a couple of spots, you know, and and if you miss on Higgins, if somebody else takes Higgins, great. Take one of those other guys that has a better profile anyways, and you got a you got an extra lottery ticket. Uh, but I mean Higgins at 15 overall. Uh, I mean, I'm okay with that. Uh, brings me to pick 204. It is the wide receiver for the Las Vegas Raiders. Not Henry Ruggs. It is Brian Edwards. Um, just another guy with some dynamism. Um, Non-early declare, I think. But I'm, I may have to... I'm probably going to have to switch this around. I might do it right now on the air. Yeah, let's just go ahead and do it. Um, Brian Edwards is now my pick 205. Now, I've, I actually felt pretty... I had I had some conviction on this until I started speaking this into these airwaves. Uh, 
I do think if I had to bet money on it, I do think that Brian Edwards is going to be their X receiver, at least for 2020. I think this is what they want. I think this is what the Raiders want. They want Brian Edwards to be their X possession receiver and Ruggs stretching the field. And I guess they moved Lynn Bowden. I guess they're, I guess they're developing him as a running back. So that leaves Hunter Renfro manning the slot and Darren Waller in the seam. I mean, that's not a bad, that's not a bad group right there. I mean, it's, it's well put together. Uh, Ruggs obviously projects to be one of the league's best field stretchers if they use him in that role. Brian Edwards, uh, I mean, has some upside as a possession receiver. Uh, I know the breakout finder before the draft, the breakout finder app had Brian Edwards as the number one overall prospect. Um, which, I mean, I know they put some weight into dynamism and teammate score and athleticism and all that good stuff. So there's really not a whole lot to dislike about Ryan Edwards, uh, other than the fact that, yeah, he was kind of a non-early declare. Uh, but that's going to bring me to my new pick 204, and it's going to be Henry Ruggs. And... I realize I am, I mean, I seem to be much lower than consensus on rugs. Especially with everything I've said about round one draft capital and all that good stuff. But there are no comparable players to Henry Ruggs that, I mean, have been, have been guys that you wanted to spend a first round pick on in Dynasty. I mean, ask... Ask the guy who drafted Curtis Samuel. Ask the guy who drafted John Ross. Um, just time and time again, you see these field stretchers. And I think they're just using the field stretcher role, right? I mean, just because they're not great for fantasy doesn't make them bad football players. Henry Ruggs can simultaneously be a great football player and an unattractive fantasy option. Um, but I have heard some rumblings that, and it, I mean, it, and it makes sense a little bit, some of these rumors, because Las Vegas is in the same division as Kansas City. Um, I have heard some player, you know, some comps to Tyreek Hill for Henry Ruggs. And there's been some rumblings that the Raiders kind of want to use Henry Ruggs as their Tyreek Hill. And at that point, at that point, you have to move him up. Uh, I'd have to move him up my rankings, but there's not really any way of me knowing that until after the season starts. <laughs> uh, but I mean, there's I don't know. The big question mark with Rugs is his size and his role, and just I'll drop this little. This little nugget from, it'll, it'll be a theme of a future episode. Not a theme, but uh, a contributor. There has been exactly zero wide receivers. And this is research I've poured through myself. I've poured through all this data myself. 
I've looked at every wide receiver drafted since the year 2000. Not a single one of them that ran in the four twos at the NFL Combine. I know Tyreek Hill ran, I think, a four two nine at his pro day, but I'm talking so at the NFL Combine, there has not been a single wide receiver run in the four twos and then go on to produce a 1,000-yard receiving season. There's been one or two 900-yarders, but, I mean, we're talking, I mean, we're talking 20 years. 20 years of data, 20 years of wide receivers being drafted, and not a single one of them has ran a 4-2 and had a 1,000-yard season. Or in the four twos and had a thousand yard season, and I don't think that's not me saying that running in the four twos makes you a bad football player. It's just me saying that it has generally put these players in a certain role. The difference in Tyreek Hill is, like, Tyreek Hill was never Deshaun Jackson. He was, he was more Percy Harvin. He was a he was a weapon. Tyreek Hill played a lot of running back in college like trust me i've i i I, (laughs) i've let everybody know already that i live in norman oklahoma i'm a an oklahoma sooners fan i was at the game where tyreek hill destroyed the sooners hopes and dreams just all over the place catching the ball running the ball punt returns there's only one tyreek hill in this league can Henry Ruggs be another one? Maybe. But as of now, I'm not ready to just jump out to best-case scenario with Henry Ruggs and start calling him Tyreek Hill. Uh, but having said all that, I think I've done nothing but <laughs> um, you know, dismiss Henry Ruggs for five minutes. And having said all that, he still jumped Brian Edwards in my rankings. Uh, that's going to bring me to... Picks two oh six seven and eight. I'm putting all those together because they're they're the quarterbacks for me, uh, Burrow, Tua, and Herbert respectively. Um, and I, I didn't want to put the quarterbacks in here just because I wanted to take you know some shot on some upside guys. But to me, there's a massive there's a massive tier gap between the players I just talked about and the other skill position players in this draft. So Burrow, Tua, and Herbert not only represent where I would take these players in my rookie drafts, but they also, because I have them all three together, I think kind of signal a significant gap in talent. Um, I mean, there's not a whole lot to say on these guys. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time talking about quarterbacks. Uh, like I said, I had Burrow at 206, Tua at 207, and Herbert at 208. That brings me to 209. I have Anthony McFarland. And the main reason is this is a talented player. Um, he is not you know, a world beater. He's not going to set the world on fire, I don't think. Uh, he didn't in college, but he I mean, he was good. 
He was a good running back in college. Uh, and he lands on a team in Pittsburgh that I think is going to utilize him. Uh, James Conner, I mean, dealt with injuries all year last year. Uh, maybe that team's going to be hard to project this year because they were just, they were so, so bad and so odd last year, you know, running all those wildcats with Jalen Samuels. But I think here's what we do know. We know that Benny Snell is just a guy. We know that Jalen Samuels is just a guy. And I think the jury's out on James Conner, honestly. I know he looked great two years ago. He looked a little bit less great last year. Maybe it was due to injury. Maybe it was due to quarterback play, what have you. But, I mean, Anthony McFarlane was drafted in the fourth round. Now, I realize that's not... I wouldn't even consider that early round draft capital. But we've got to, and we kind of have to grade on a curve because we're talking about running backs. And there was only one running back drafted in the first round this year. And he was at the, he was the last pick. There was only one running back drafted in the first round in 2018 or 2019. I mean, there was only one running back drafted in the second round, I believe, of 2019. So, I mean, these running backs are falling. So fourth-round draft capital for a running back isn't a death sentence by any means anymore. We're talking about a guy who ran a 4-4-4-40, a 5-8-2-0-8. I would like to see that, you know, more around the 215 range. But, I mean, he had the 54th percentile target share. James Conner, I mean, I, I realize... He has caught the ball. He's been involved in the passing game since coming into the league. But, I mean, we're talking about a, a 4'6", 5'40 guy. Um, I just don't think James Conner is anything special. I think, Anthony, I think the upside with Anthony McFarlane is higher than James Conner. And if anything happens, so, I mean, I fully expect James Conner to enter the year as the starter. But if anything happens, if James Conner misses any time whatsoever, if he gets hurt in the first half and misses two quarters of football, I think Anthony McFarlane, with his speed and his athleticism, is going to go in there and pop. And with the fourth-round draft capital, I mean, at worst... I think he splits time with James Conner. I don't think if Anthony McFarlane goes in there and pops, whenever James Conner is healthy again, they're just going to say, okay, thanks for your work. Now go sit back on the bench. Um, but, I mean, like I said, we're to the point, I don't feel great about any of these guys. I just think, you know, drafting what could end up being a – fairly heavily utilized running back in the Pittsburgh offense that we've seen be so lucrative for fantasy in recent years. Getting that guy at the end of the second round, I mean, I can't really hate on that too much. Brings me to pick 210, another Pittsburgh Steeler. That's Chase Claypool. 
and I don't, I don't love this pick. I don't even like it that much. Uh, I don't like, this is why I had the quarterbacks kind of above this group of guys is because I don't, I don't really like any of these guys this much. I kind of like the third round better than the back half of the second round this year, just because I feel like it's a little bit easier to stomach, you know, taking, taking your shots on your upside guys in the third than it is the second. Uh, but except with Chase Claypool, the hit rate on second round receivers is pretty substantial. Um, I mean, he's, he's an athletic dude. What was he? Six, four, two forty. I mean, he's basically tight end size, but runs like a four, four forty. There's upside to be had there. There's a ceiling to be had there for Chase Claypool. He goes to a situation where there's Juju Smith-Schuster that will vacuum up targets. There's Deontay Johnson, who I know everybody likes as a sleeper this year. There's James Washington, who I don't think we have to worry about too much as far as if you're a, if you're a Chase Claypool person. And they have Eric Ebron, who, I mean, he's got one good year on his resume at tight end. So, at least on surface level, there's opportunity to be had for Chase Claypool. They spent a second-round pick on him, so I think it's pretty clear that they like the guy. And, like I said, there is a, I mean, the hit rate for second-round wide receivers is nothing to shake a stick at. And that all having said all that, I haven't even brought up the fact that, and I don't know, I obviously don't know if they're true or not, and I don't even know if I believe it, but there's been some serious, some serious rumblings from the bushes saying that the Steelers are going to let Juju walk uh, when his rookie contract is up, which I believe... I believe will be after the 2020 season, if I'm not mistaken. So, in theory, and this is, I mean, you know, this is me jumping out to best case scenario, but we are talking about a late second round wide receiver. In theory, you could be drafting the future number one wide receiver for a team in the Pittsburgh Steelers that. I mean, their number one wide receiver option has been, I mean, lucrative for fantasy for years and years and years and years, going from Juju to Antonio Brown, uh, I mean, back to the Mike Wallace, Emmanuel Sanders days. I mean, there's been a lot of successful wide receivers coming out of the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. And like I said, I don't know that I believe the Juju rumors. But they could be true, and taking Chase Claypool at the end of the second round, that's really not a whole lot of risk for what could be some pretty impressive upside. Brings me to pick 211, Antonio Gibson, um, another pretty polarizing prospect. And I don't... I don't love Antonio Gibson. I think I would I would like him a lot more if if he landed on a team with a good offensive line 
like a, an, a well, like one of the league's most, you know, vaunted offensive lines and no Darius guys. So if, Ant- if Antonio Gibson would have went to the Chargers, I would like Antonio Gibson quite a bit, even though they have Austin Eckler. And don't get me wrong, I like Austin Eckler. But I think, I think there's room in that offense for two running backs. And I think Antonio Gibson, you know, I mean, he's a little bit bigger than Eckler. Um, like I said, he's a, Gibson's a, a good athlete, played mostly wide receiver in college. But, I mean, this dude is six foot, 228 pounds, ran a 4'3", 940. Uh, he's Jonathan Taylor size. <laughs> I mean, this is this is a Jonathan Taylor size dude that played wide receiver, and now you slide him in at running back. I mean, the upside could be real, um, especially if anything happens to Darius Geis. I think Antonio Gibson could get a lot of work. Uh, I know they have Jordan Love and Adrian Peterson and Peyton Barber. You know, great. What have you done for me lately? <laughs> I know Adrian Peterson, you know, has looked okay in the past couple of years, but I, mean, I don't know. If anything happens to Darius Geis, I don't think Peterson's just going to step in and carry the ball 20 times a game. I think. I think he and Gibson. I, it wouldn't surprise me if Gibson becomes, you know, the leader as far as you know the share of touches. If anything happens to guys, because he's a, I mean, he's a big dude. He's lightning fast, and an 88th percentile college target share. I mean, there's, like I said, he's he's not a perfect prospect, but at the end of the second round, especially if you're the Darius Geis owner, even. I don't see anything wrong with swinging for the fences there. And that brings me to my final pick of second the second round. And if I sound exhausted, it's because of who it is. It's A.J. Dillon. Um, and if you're wondering why that exhausts me, it's because I'm a Green Bay Packers fan. <laughs> and I, just, I have been speechless pretty much i i have no idea what to say when it comes to the entire green bay packers draft i think there was 37 30 something wide receivers that got drafted in this year's draft green bay clearly needs a wide receiver and they don't take a single one uh and then they go and draft aj dillon in the second round i don't understand I don't understand what their thought process is. I don't know if they saw Tennessee and they want to emulate what Tennessee is doing. Uh, I mean, because A.J. Dillon has some things to like, six foot, 247 pounds, ran a 4'5", I mean, that's a big, fast dude, a 70th percentile um, 40 time. That's not just that's not a speed score. It's 70th percentile speed score. With his size, it's a 97th percentile speed score. Um, 
but he he doesn't catch passes. Um, his yards per carry out in college was not great. Five point three fortieth percentile. He's just a raw. He's a raw dude. He's gotten to this point by being big and fast. And I don't know. I don't know if that alone is going to get the job done in the NFL. Uh, maybe you can point to Derrick Henry, but I think Derrick Henry is a little more special than AJ Dillon. I mean, we saw him be special at Alabama for three years, right? So we never really saw AJ Dillon be special. We just see a raw athlete that, if he figures it out, yeah, could turn into a pretty good player. But I mean, they have Aaron Jones, and I don't re—I don't usually put a whole lot of stock into coach speak, but whenever Matt Lafleur said in the in a press conference that they wanted to get a third running back involved, it sounds like nonsense. It doesn't—I mean, it doesn't seem to make sense to to me at least. I don't think it really made sense to anybody because we saw Aaron Jones be a great football player. We've seen him be one of the most efficient running backs in the league. Um, but whenever he says they want to add a third running back and then they go and draft their third running back in the second round, and I think it's pretty clear what Green Bay's intentions are. They are to get this dude on the football field. And with his size... It's not going to surprise me if he vultures all of the goal line work. Um, he could bust off some big plays. I think he's going to be, I think he's basically going to be a touchdown or bust fantasy player. Uh, he'll get on the field. Him and Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, I think, are all going to split time fairly evenly. I don't agree with it. I don't understand the logic. I say just. Give the ball to Aaron Jones. Um, I don't know. Maybe this is the pessimistic Green Bay Packers fan coming out in me. But listen, I don't necessarily love the prospect. I don't love the landing spot. But as I've stated, there's a there's been a pretty significant tear gap between you know. A.J. Dillon, Antonio Gibson, Chase Claypool, Anthony McFarlane. I think there's a pretty big tear gap between guys like Ruggs and Edwards and Higgins and Pittman and Ayuk. You know, I mean, it almost sounds like, it almost feels like in one QB drafts at least, I mean, even Superflex maybe, but I mean, it almost sounds like the second round should end after pick. 208 and then picks 9 through 12 should be like round two and a half and then <laughs> then you get to round three because saying me recommending to draft some of these guys in round two doesn't feel right it doesn't feel very good um but i mean there's there's just a huge gap in between these players and Round three, I think, is going to be mostly just shooting for upside. 
and these guys at least I could see having a floor um, if everything works out. I'm not necessarily projecting them to, them to be usable for fantasy, especially in 2020, but I think you can rationally find a way to give these guys a floor. Um, I think I've kind of talked through it. Um, that's going to do it for this show. Um, join me next time. I'll be talking about some of just, you know, my round three and later just kind of dart throws the guys that I like and why I like them. Um, until next, next time, thanks for listening. I've been Derek Womack. This has been the Dynasty Underground.